Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, Bethel. Let's put our hands together and greet our streaming family. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome. Well, we're going to switch things up a little bit. We want to greet you in the name of the Lord. And boy, we've got a wonderful word today. But I just wanted to lead today with the table of the Lord. Usually we wait till the end, but if we could just freak you all out and just throw you off and get your elements right now, if you can, take just a moment and David's going to come and lead us. And I just wanted to begin in a, in a really heartfelt way today. We have a very delicious word, um, very special word today in our series. And I'd just like to welcome David. Come on up, David Logeman. Let's greet David as he comes. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Shalom. I was reading in Genesis this week, and uh, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was reminding me that, you know, when I go through my physical issues, you know, in my health and stuff, to not necessarily deny the reality, but just look accordingly to the Lord. You know, there was a time when the children of Israel were in the desert and poisonous snakes had come out and attacked them. They were biting them and many uh, fell ill and died. And then God gave a word to Moses and he said, do a bronze pole and have the snake impaled on this bronze pole and that any of the children of Israel, if they looked at that, they would be healed and they would not die. And I thought, wow, you know, it's just amazing. You know, bronze is a symbol of judgment. That's the bronze laver altar that was in the temple. That's where they, you know, uh, sacrificed the, uh, the animal sacrifices and stuff. And Jesus uses this example for us in the Gospels. And it's pretty, pretty cool. So you're thinking, well, how does that exactly relate? Well, I just felt that, you know, the serpent is a, is a symbol of the enemy. And just like he was on the pole back then when Moses put him, Jesus defeated the enemy at the cross. And when the children of Israel heard that word, they looked towards that bronze cross, so to speak, expecting to be healed. So it just reminded me this week to not get caught up in all your symptoms. Don't get caught up in the medical uh, report and whatever you know your prognosis might be. Cast your gaze to the cross. That's where Jesus' body was pierced and broken. Your enemy has been defeated. He can't hold you anymore. Your health and healing was paid for at that cross. So let's break the bread and let's partake.
At the cross also, that's where Jesus shed his blood so that all the judgment that was to fall on you fell on Jesus instead. So now you are free. Let's celebrate by taking care of the, of the cup. So as Pastor Craig comes up, let's cast our gaze on the word of God. Let's cast our gaze unflinchingly on Jesus and all that he paid for us to have through his crucifixion, crucifixion and his resurrection. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, David. We love you and appreciate you. What a beautiful, beautiful reminder. David is referring to a, a thing called Nehushtan. The first book I ever wrote was called Nehushtan, the enemy of revival. What does Nehushtan mean? means a thing of brass. And it was the serpent in the wilderness that David described to us. And what's interesting is that in Numbers 21, where that event occurred, we find 900 years later that the children of Israel still have that thing of brass, and now they're burning incense to it. And it had become, it had moved from an instrument of deliverance to now a symbol of religious tradition that was being followed illicitly. And so I, whole, I wrote a whole book called Nehushtan, The Enemy of Revival, that the greatest enemy to the revival God's about to do is the last revival he did. So it's interesting. They took this beautiful symbol of Christ and they turned it into a religious symbol that, that caused them to walk away from the Lord. And so the Lord... Um, what they did is they took Nehushtan and they broke it. They just destroyed it. They broke it into a million pieces. And that's what God does to some of our sacred traditions. You know, sacred cows make great hamburgers. Yeah, always remember that. And so he takes Nehushtan. He takes things that were once holy that we've turned into God knows what. And he just destroys those. Because he wants us always heightenedly alive face-to-face -face in communion with him, and no person, place, or thing. Amen. Bells and smells and incense and nonsense. There's nothing wrong with any of it as long as it doesn't take the direct place of him. And we are creatures that crave some kind of a visual image. That's why we've always been a little akin to idolatry. We all sort of want something that's visible, love with skin on it. And so that tendency often the enemy pokes and prods and uses for us to get involved with bells and smells and incense and nonsense instead of looking right into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. So good morning, everybody. Welcome. We're in our series called The Servant's Dance. And this morning, um, the Lord put something on my heart that I wanted to lead with today. We've been talking about bond servants, the word doulos. And we've been looking at an image that is despicable in the eyes of the world, yet when dragged through the cross, it becomes a holy and beautiful image. Our utter dedication, spirit, soul, and body, mind, thought, all that we are and all that we have in utter commitment and devotion 
to Jesus Christ. That's adoration. That's worship. When all that we are is swallowed up wholly into his will, that beautiful dance is what we're calling the servant's dance. And it is a glorious slavery. To know Jesus Christ is the most glorious slavery anyone could ever imagine. And that word that has been so despicable in our ears actually becomes sanctified through Holy Scripture. And when we look aright at our relationship to God, we are owned by Him. We are marked by Him. We are set out as devoted 100% to everything He is. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus says those two fulfill all the law. Boy, he was able to cut it down, right? Two commandments. He says, you want to just ring it all down? Love God with all you are, love your neighbor with all you are. Good news. That's the vertical and the horizontal. A little uh, easier said than done. But here's the point. You've heard me use the wagon wheel analogy before. Notice that the closer the spokes get to the center of the hub, the closer they are to one another. Notice that? The closer the spokes get to the hub, the closer they are to one another. They don't have to try to get close. They just need to get centered and close to God. And that's the way it is with the Lord. When we're wholly and completely and totally given over in all that we are to Him, it's just amazing how our relationships square up and straighten out and iron out, right? Because the closer you are to Him, the closer you're going to be to your brethren. And you don't even need to try to do it. So dealing with this glorious uh, issue of the do-law servant, Paul in Romans 1.1 says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. It's the word doulos. Paul, the slave of Jesus. Paul's chosen identifier was not apostle, was not prophet, was not teacher, it was slave. I belong to him. All I am is, is, is in obedience to him. And a doulos was a servant that did whatever they were told to do, whenever they were told to do it, however they were told to do it, wherever they were told to do it, and they were never told why. Beloved, did you know why is the prerogative of the master, not the slave. We ask why more than anything else in our thought life, in our prayer life, in our relational life, and that's the one question a doulos had absolutely zero right to know. Why didn't matter. What mattered? What, when, how, where, why, off the table. You say, well, wait a minute, we're entitled, we're, we're Americans. Why? Don't get hung in the why not. You always do. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, and those things revealed belong to us. But you know what? The secret things belong to the Lord our God. That means you will never know the why. You think you know the why. Well, this happened, and that happened, and this happened. Beloved. 
It's above your pay grade. It's above my pay grade to know why. So a doulos never asked why. He just asked what? What's next? Well, I'd like you to go down to the market. What market? Why should I go to that market? Why can't I go to the market? No, no, no. Do, do you see? We claim to want autonomy. We claim to want, here's the anthem. Now the end is near. Hmm? It's your anthem. I did it my way. I have a lovely song, Paul Anka, God bless him. But that's not the anthem of the kingdom. It's his way all the time, in every circumstance. And ours is not to question why. Ours is just to do and die. There's actually a glorious liberty that comes with that. The brain power that we take up trying to figure out why, and then we invent likely scenarios that sound pleasing to us, and we're wrong then. So the beauty and the freedom of the doulos, the bondservant, was he didn't have to know why. Why? I don't know. Remember we did a sermon called Because I Said So? By the way, if you haven't heard that, you need to go listen to that. It's called Because I Said So. And, and we're, we talk about how our Jewish brethren have always been comfortable with a sense of mystery. We want to know everything. We want to know the when, the where, the how, and definitely the why. We want to start with the why. And then we decide whether or not we're going to obey once we hear the why. And God goes, I'm so sorry, I don't owe you a why. In fact, my whys are so in need of you getting a new resurrected glorified body so that you could bear the answer to these things that I really am looking for servants that give up the why. Don't get hung in the why not. It's liberating. It's free. Kids, they do ask why, but they usually just bounce out of bed and begin to play. They only get into why when they see you go nuts. Why? Because I said so. Why? Because I said so. Why? You know, they're playing a game with you. But kids rarely need to know why about anything. They just want to know when are we playing, where are we playing, how are we playing <laughs> at that park. Oh, isn't God wonderful? He reserves the right to know why. And he's the only one who is all-knowing, who can do anything with a why. Amen? So, oh, you're free from the why not today. I haven't even got going. That's just for starters. James 1.1, 1, 1, James the... Do loss of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm his slave, James said. This is the brother of our Lord. Peter, 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, a slave. Luke and Silas in Acts 16.17. These men are servants of the Most High God. Douloi. There's the plural of doulos. This was the most coveted title and identifier in the whole New Testament. And to notice the men with the greatest smarts, the real Bible people, the people that were doing signs and wonders and were raising the dead, that was incidental to them? 
Paul just wants to identify himself as the doulos. I'm the guy that does what I'm told, when I'm told, how I'm told, where I'm told, never need to know why. And, and when you try to start asking why, then that's when the enemy comes in with his alternate scenarios. And that's why we're as confused as termites and yo-yos. Because once you get in the why not, you're just frozen in midair. Why? Why? And the enemy says, oh, let me tell you 5,000 stories that are the answer to your why. The devil doesn't know why. He's a creature, too. He's inventing it. Well, you know why she left you. You know why they betrayed you. You know why? 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 And then the enemy just says, come on. And he lures. He's a good storyteller, by the way. I'll give him that. And once we give him our ear, he just goes, he'll talk. He'll talk you to death. He will. He'll talk until you die or until you kill yourself. Because we're addicted to the why. Well, we're going to go into recovery on that. Amen. Even Mary, Luke 138, I am the Lord's doulos. Hmm. Hmm. Philippians 2, 7, even our Lord Jesus Christ, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a slave. He entered into flesh so that he could come down to our level and relate and live and love as a doulos. Wow. What does that mean? Wholly consumed by the will of the Father. He said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. I only go where the Father tells me to go. Because he was a slave. Oh, beloved. First, the bond slave was owned. He belonged entirely to the master. You know, we cannot adequately serve God until he owns us. Well, when I yield one day, he'll own me. No, 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 no. He owns you. Remember, we found out. We're all slaves by nature, the Bible says. you got to serve somebody. You're serving someone. The question is, who? Who's your master? The, the question isn't, well, they're slaves, but I'm not. No, no. By birth, fallen into sin, we are servants. We are slaves. And our master is God or the devil. There's no third. There's no tertium quid. I don't serve the devil. If you are not actively in bond service to Jesus Christ, or you even just think you're in bond service to yourself, you're under the enemy's control and power. You're born a slave. You can't choose it. You you must serve. And the Bible says you can't serve both God and the enemy. You have to choose. You have to choose your bond service. There's only one master worthy of your worship and your obedience, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he literally demonstrated his love for you 
by coming down, God, the second person of the Trinity, struck a tent in human flesh as a doulos, as a bondservant to the Father, and then he died the death of the cross to take all of your sins that you should have been punished for, and he took them. And he rose triumphantly from the dead, the glorified, resurrected God-man, the doulos, raised eternally from the dead. But the Bible says he has kept his human form and he bears the scars forever. He didn't, he didn't ta- assume humanity and dump it. He is the only thing men have ever put in heaven are the scars that are right now in his glorified, resurrected body. That's the only mark fallen man has ever made in heaven itself. And that beauty is that you will see the glorified, resurrected Lord, the doulos of the Father, forever seated at the right hand, and we worship him. And we are his beloved brethren. You say, well, how do I become a bondservant? You just raise your hand. You want to become a bondservant? Say, Jesus, I'm already a slave. I've already been serving my own lusts and others. So I would like to shift my allegiance, Jesus Christ, to you. Exodus 21, 5 through 6 says, But if the servant declares, I love my master and do not want to go free, then his master will take him before the judges, and he shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an owl. Then he will be his servant forever. If you were indentured to servanthood as a Jewish person, you could serve seven years, and at the end of the seven years, you were set free. But if you loved your master, and if you loved the family, and you loved your life, you could say, I know I could go free, but I see what I do with freedom. I want to stay forever. I want to know Jesus. I want to live with Jesus forever. I want to be in God's house forever. And they would take your ear over to the door, and they would pound a hole, and they would put an earring in your ear. And for the rest of your life, you were known to have freely chosen bond service to that family by choice. No coercion, no forcing against your will. I hear a lot of Christians talk, it just seems like they're always against their will. And I don't know. They're bickering and complaining, and they could find a problem with anything God could create perfect in Eden. They'd find a problem with it. Well, the light's too bright. I don't know. The golden streets are, I don't, it's too much contrast. I don't, beloved. Beloved, God has given us the greatest offer. You're already a slave. You're already a doulos, whether you like it or not. Jesus says, I'd like to become your master. And you'll see your life and your world go in an entirely new direction. But we don't have the freedom to ask why. Oh, aren't you free to know that now? Okay, now we can all be happy and dance about. But I wanted to talk, uh, the, the Lord... Um, Particularly, I'll cover some other points, but last night he spoke to me and told me that someone was listening to me today that was in a dead-end place. 
What is a dead-end place? 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9, Paul says, But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Paul said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. He's talking about dead-end places. Have you ever been in a place, maybe you are right now, where you're so log-jammed, you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to look, you don't know who to trust, you don't know where to turn, you don't know how to pray. You're in a dead-end place. That word sentence in the Greek is the word krino, and it means a jury handing down a final verdict. Have you ever just sort of felt like you've just been given a final verdict? There's no way out, left, right, up, down. You can't dig down. There's nowhere to go. The word krino means I just... there. We've heard all the evidence, it's all come in, the arguments, the counter-arguments, and the final verdict has come down, literally, paraphrase, Paul says, as far as we were concerned, the final verdict was in, and the verdict demanded our death. Have you ever felt like it's over? There's no hope. There's no way out. You will never survive what you're facing. Paul was under so much pressure, he felt death was unavoidable. And Paul was not a drama queen. Paul wasn't crying over paper cuts. This is a tough man. He was a man of great integrity. This guy had seen it all. This guy knew God. But when Paul says, there is no way out of this, it's a dead-end place. That's when I'd start crying on the airplane. When you don't know what to do, and you don't know where to go, and you don't know who to trust, that, Paul says, is when resurrection power comes in. Resurrection power is only seen in a graveyard. God only raises dead things. So, beloved, I don't know what dead-end place you're in, but I know you're there. And resurrection power is what's coming up through the water table right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, Father, I thank you right now for resurrection power bubbling up, bubbling up from the ground like that bubbling coon. Oil that is Texas tea. Bubble up. Resurrection life right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Every dead-end place in the name of Jesus Christ will yield. Every dead-end place will become an open stream in Jesus Christ's name right now. Every dead thing you raise with one word. We thank you, God. We resent the enemy's attempts to bring final verdicts. You, God, have the final word in all of our lives. 
Amen. And did you know that Paul survived this circumstance and Paul lived to fulfill the will of God for his generation? And you will too, honey. But I'm telling you what, I realize things can get so dark that you cannot see a way forward. But this is one of the this is the, one of the aspects of a doulos. And it's called immunity. Did you know a bond slave was guaranteed freedom from the opinions and criticisms of others? When you were owned by your master and you were correspondingly marked by your master, no one else could give you orders. No one else could guide you, lead you, command you, rebuke you, or touch you. You were utterly and completely surrounded with a circle of protection. You always had food, water. You always had your needs met. You always had a place to live, a place to be. You always were clothed. Every single need was met, and no other human being on the planet could give you an order that would need to be obeyed. What a comfort. What a comfort that when you're in a dead-end place, your master had sworn an oath that he would bring resurrection life to you when you were being swallowed up in life. The master would risk his own life to protect you and save you and deliver you. There's a sense of security that we have in our holy bondage to Jesus Christ. He is our guide. He is our protector. He is our savior. He is our light. He is our salvation. He is our healer. He's everything we need him to be because we belong to him. He owns us. We're his property, owned by him, marked by him. You know, I know people who love Jesus and walk with him. You ever noticed you can see God's people? You got a waitress or a waiter that knows the Lord? I always say, I could, they know the Lord. Why? They're marked. It isn't a burn mark that's ugly or unattractive. It's the mark of his grace, his workmanship, his, his mercy, sense of humor winsomeness, beauty. There's just a million different things. And you go, ah, she knows Jesus. You go, what are you talking about? I said, ah, just watch. And then you'll see there's little Christian fish on her little waitress thing. Or, you know, we just start a little conversation. She goes, what church do you go to? I go, I told you. Daddy knows these things. That's what I tell my kid. Daddy didn't get old being stupid. We're owned by him, we're marked by him, and we're devoted to him. That means 100% of our will is swallowed up in the master's will. You know, it's a beautiful, there are three terms in the original Greek language that the New Testament was written in that speaks of the doulos relationship. The first word was uh, agorazo. The the agorazo was the agora where you were put up for sale 
as a slave. And then you were sought out. Jesus says, let me give you three words, agorazo, exagorazo, and lutru. Three words. Agorazo, you were on the slave market stage. And he sought you out, and he came up to you, and he focused on you, and he said to the exclusion of all others, I want David. I want Gretchen. And then he purchased, you know, slaves cost up to $50,000 a piece. It's not a cheap thing. You don't just go out and buy a human being. $50,000. How old they are, how healthy they were. But Jesus is seen as coming into the agorazo and finding you, his beloved. And then he offers whatever price, in this case, his own life in exchange for you. And then after the purchase, he takes you exagorazo out of the agora, never to be put up for sale again, never to see indignity again. Exagorazo, you are completely secure forever and safe. Free. And the third word, lutru, means, and he lets you go. He's just a, he lets you go. Those of us that know him, Peter said, where else should we go? Could we go? Who else has the words of eternal life? I don't want to go anywhere. And the servant puts his ear to the door and says, give me my earring. I want to stay forever. I love you. Jesus knows that. There's just something irresistible about him. Isn't he irresistible? Agorazo, exagorazo, lutru. I am fully free to commit all that I am to him. He owns me. He's marked me. I'm utterly devoted to his entire will. And I have immunity. No one else owns me. Watch out. Don't, don't have Jesus get his back up. He'll protect you unto death. We are servants of the living God, beloved. We bear his mark with dignity. We smell like him. We look like him. Do you remember? Remember the religious leaders just couldn't deal with it. They saw Peter and John and they said, these are ignorant and unlearned men, but we perceive they've been with Jesus. I'll say he owns them. He's marked them. They're devoted. And he guards them and protects them. And beloved, look, I don't want to stay around here any longer than I have to. How about you? I just love this fallen, stinking world. It is so lovely. Beloved, we are heightenedly alive as believers. We are not waiting for la-la land to come someday. We are in the now, most like our Father. We are in the moment. And we are here, though, at his disposal utterly. And did you know, don't quit asking why all the time. Give it up. You're recovering whyest. Hello, my name is Craig. I'm recovering whyest. Why? Shut up. All right, no, just kidding. Uh, those of us in recovery get a little nasty sometimes. 
Nothing worse than a repentant smoker. Philemon, verse 9, Paul the aged, Paul the old man, he says, the prisoner, the loss of Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you are not your own, you were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. These are his earth suits, everything we have is his. You see, he owns life. We're custodians of it. You know, the dumbest thing I've ever heard and the easiest thing to refute is when people in our culture say, it's my body, it's my choice. It is not your body, you uppity little slave. Your meat sack, your earth suit is called the temple of the Holy Ghost, given to you by God. My body, right around. I do what I want with my body. No, you don't do anything you want with your body. Try throwing it at me off a two-story building. I'm d- beloved. It isn't your body. There goes that whole argument and that all those movements associated to it. Please don't tie your argument to some stupid-ass foundation. It's not your body. There goes everything now. Well, what do you mean? Well, what do you mean? The Bible says that is not your body. You are a slave of God, and that is the container you're in, and you will answer for everything you do in that body, good, bad, or indifferent. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You mean I don't need to learn all the arguments in the world? No, no. That's the foundational one. It's my body. No, it isn't. Oops. Then there goes everything. All the arguments for abortion, all the arguments for everything, anything, everything, it isn't yours. And here's the interesting thought. We are going to give an account for everything we've done, good, bad, or indifferent in our body. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Whoopsie doodle. Yeah. Well, I've never smoked cigarette and drink no alcohol. Did you? What about your Big Macs? And I was quit the preaching and going to meddling. Beloved, wake up. You're just a slave. And you will answer to your master for everything you have and will and are going to do in that body and to it. The gift of silence has come upon us. David already did the communion, so we can't break that up. Try to divert our attention to the table of the Lord. Yeah, don't take that table until you're right. There's such liberation in realizing, and there's such a freedom, too, to get rid of stupid-ass arguments in the culture, all rooted in that lie. I told a young youngster recently that I adore. I said, baby, that's not your body, that. That body belongs to God. and You'll answer for everything you do in it and do it. She went, I'd never, I'd never seen eyes out on stems. I wish someone told me that when I was 15. You see, it just brings a clarity. You don't have to ask why anymore. And you don't also have to uh, make stupid arguments and defend the indefensible because it isn't your body. So now what were you saying? What was your next point? Where were you going with your 30 other points that are now groundless? 
We live in such a stupid culture, beloved. I hate to say it. Ignorance on stilts. You don't need to study logical fallacies. Turn the news on. Turn anything on and watch for 10 minutes. All the peace of being a servant of the Lord. You sense the security. You never need to wake up. I mean, is he going to love me today? Is he going to throw me out on Thursday and get mad on Saturday and throw me out on Sunday? No, honey, you're sort of safe. You got that earring in? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, he owns you. He marked you. You have full immunity from anyone else's opinions. And your devotion is wholly focused on him. So it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's what he thinks. You play to the applause of heaven. That's it. Doesn't matter what your friends say. Doesn't matter what your family said. Doesn't matter in the end, at the end of the day, what your boss said. Anybody else, you answer to him. Be nice to everyone else. Be gracious, east, west, north, and south. But at the end of the day, you only do what your master says. Boy, simplify. Father, we, we ask uh, that you would... Lord, forgive us of all of our foolish demands that we make as though we were autonomous, as though this were our life, as though this were our body, as though we own anything, run anything, control anything. Father, forgive us and receive us through your forgiving blood as douloi, servants slaves. Oh, Lord, set us free to dance and be utterly complete in the dance we have with you. Oh, Father, like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, we just want to dance up and down. They were having a good time. There's no bondage there. Fred and Ginger are dancing up and down the stairs, out to the balcony, back in the house. It's magnificent to watch. And that's what we have as your servants. So, Lord, bless and hallow our union. Set us free. Let us be the freest servants anyone has ever seen in their life. Let people look at us and say, fountains of living water are coming out of them. They smell fragrant. They're heightenedly alive. They're the sweetest, happiest people I've ever seen. That's the mark we bear. In Jesus' name. Someone say amen. Amen. Yeah, put your hands together if that was a blessing. It sure was. We're going to have to online sell the why not so you can take it out and burn it in your fireplace. Wouldn't that be fun having a why not service? I'm going to challenge you to just take a look at how many times you ask why this week. And, and you have to correct yourself. It's sort of like wearing a corrective shoe when your leg's a little bent. You got you to gotta wear it and be, you're aware of it when it's on. Because whenever somebody does, you know, why? People come up to me, <laughs> because I'm the pastor, I guess, and they go, why did she say that? I go, honey, I don't know why anyone has ever done anything they've ever done that they've done. <laughs> why would I know? Ask the therapist. How come? <laughs> Beloved, we don't know. Why ask why? Eh, don't even do that. 
gosh, we appreciate you. We're so thankful. And if we feed you, we would just simply request that you would pray about feeding us. It's very easy to give to this ministry. You can go right on our website. Mike makes it really easy. And we certainly would love you to consider. Maybe you've just discovered us. Maybe you just happened on the holy. Maybe you just showed up. Well, we don't ever do a hard pitch, but we have to let you know that if we feed you, we sure would love you to feed us. It's a, just a great opportunity for you to help us do the work God's called us to do. It's a very simple thing. You go on, you put a one-time gift on, you put a monthly gift, a, a, a constant, repeated gift. You go ahead and take your liberty. Pray about it. But if you don't give anywhere, and if you just sort of have been holding on to your tithe, or you just sort of it just be, went into the back of your mind, we would love you to partner with us. And just say, I think I'm going to pour an offering in there. I think an offering, a tithe, Whatever it would be, we just would love to open the floodgates and say, Gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy. We'd like to say that. We'd say this is a great, it's good ground to sow in. So if that's you or if the Lord would place that on your heart, let me pray for you right now. Father, we pray right now that you would bless the seed and and the gifts of your precious children, Lord, their offerings, their tithes that you would order their financial lives, Lord, in a way that is honoring to you. And we pray, Lord, that if you matched a man with a moment, if you put our hearts together and there's just something that's drawing the heart of your lamb to this work, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them that approval and that encouragement, and that prompting, and whatever it is, little, medium, big, doesn't matter. We just ask, Lord, you bless everyone who would take the time and the love and the care to reach out and to help us, help feed us, that you would feed them in return and their loved ones. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Well, Mike Fuller has put so many messages. We don't even know how many messages we have on this website, but there's a lot. He says 800. I think there's more than that. 800. I just did that last month. I preached 800 times last month. But you know what, loved one? They're all free, and they're all there, and they cover every topic you can imagine. So if it's three in the morning and you don't know what to do and where to go and where to turn, you go to drcraigjohnson.org. Bring anything up. Go back to 2012. Pull something up. Play random. Play dice. Just pull something out, and I guarantee God's going to bless you in the middle of the night. And sometimes that's what you need as a friend at three in the morning. Well, our website is your best friend. Amen. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. 
You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.